positive letter. Why did he write this letter of doom, gloom, and destruction? What is this letter all about? Jude wrote this letter. He wrote such a discouraging letter because certain men had crept into the body of Christ and they had begun perverting the grace of God. They had begun perverting the grace of God and turning it into sensuality. He wanted to write a positive letter. He wanted to write an encouraging letter, but he couldn't. He had to write this letter. Jude says in Jude verse 3, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered for all the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. What Jude is saying is, false teachers have come into the body of Christ, and they have begun persuading God's people and encouraging God's people to live and let live. You can live your life however you want to, and there will be no consequences. They were twisting, they were defiling, they were perverting the grace of God and changing it into something that it was not. They were turning God's grace into excessive immorality. And so Jude was encouraged to write such a disheartening letter. False teachers had infiltrated the church, and they were turning the grace of God into sensuality. But not only were they doing that, Jude had to write this letter because these false teachers were rejecting Christ. They came into the body of Christ, and they're telling these Christians, yeah, Jesus was a a good person, He he was a good teacher, he was a great prophet, but the Christ... The Son of God? The Messiah? Are you kidding me? There's no way in the world. There's no way in the world that He is the Messiah. They were perverting the grace of God, and they were rejecting the deity of Christ. The text says in Jude verse 4, Jude verse 4, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality, And they deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Not only are these false teachers saying that you can live and let live, but they are saying that Jesus is not Lord. And so, and so, that's why Jude had to write such a gloomy letter. But not only that, Jude was motivated to write this letter because not only were these false teachers perverting the grace of God, not only were they rejecting Christ, but in their rejection, they were exalting themselves. They rejected Christ and they were exalting themselves. In Jude verse 8, Jude verse 8, as Jude is describing these false teachers, he says, yet in like manner, these people also rely on their dreams. They defile the flesh and they... Reject authority. Verse number uh, 16. Jude verse 16 as he continues to describe these people. He says that they are grumblers, malcontents, and they follow their own sinful desires. In the latter half of verse 17. In Jude verse number 17. He says that these men follow their own ungodly passions. 
Not only are they twisting the grace of God and turning it into sensuality, not only are they rejecting Christ, but in their rejection, they're exalting themselves. They are abandoning. They're abandoning the authority of God, and they're relying on their own wisdom, their own knowledge, their own understanding, and their own dreams. They're exalting themselves while rejecting Christ, and that is why Jude had to write such a gloomy letter to these people. And he tells them, since you are living in such a spiritually defiled world, since you are living in a world that is saturated with false teaching, you must contend for the faith. You must contend for the faith. Stand your ground and speak the truth. Friends, today is June the 9th, 2019. And we are living in a world that looks very similar to the world that Jude was writing to. We are living in a world that is saturated with sin. We are living in a world that is saturated with false doctrine. We are living in a world full of people who have exchanged the grace of God for a lie. We are living in a world full of people who have turned the grace of God into sensuality. We've all heard of it. Once saved, always saved. Once you become a Christian, God is so loving, He's so gracious, He's so merciful, and He's so kind that you can live your life however you want to with absolutely no consequences. You can do what you want. You can say what you want. You can go where you want to go. And on the final day of judgment, God, the velvet teddy bear in the sky, is just going to give you a slap on the wrist and tell you to come on in. That's what people preach in our world. That is what people teach in our world. That is what people believe in our world. That is how people live in our world. And the sad reality is those who live this way, whether they acknowledge it or not, they are denying Jesus Christ. They are denying Christ and they are exalting themselves. And what Jude has very clearly and eloquently told us in his letter is those who deny the Lord and exalt themselves will be punished. Just as the Lord destroyed the Egyptians who chased his people into the Red Sea, just as the Lord destroyed those angels who went beyond their position of authority, and just as the Lord slaughtered the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, God too will slaughter people in our world today who reject his authority and exalt themselves. Jude didn't want to write such a gloomy letter, but he had to. Because the grace of God was being perverted. I don't enjoy preaching such a sermon. I don't get a rush out of talking about gloom, doom, and destruction. I don't get a rush out of talking about how the Lord slaughtered the Egyptians and how he slaughtered angels and kept them under eternal chains in gloomy darkness. No one likes to talk about that. But we have to talk about those type of things because this is the world that we are living in. We are living in a world that is spiritually blind. We are living in a world full of false teaching and false doctrine. We are living in a world that is saturated with sin. We are living in a world full of people who call good evil and evil good. They call light dark and darkness light. They call sweet bitter and bitter sweet. We are living in a spiritually defiled world. The marriage covenant has been defiled. It is now okay for men to marry men and for women to marry women. It is now okay for 
unmarried couples who are not uh, of the opposite sex to live together. It is now okay for people to get divorced for any reason under the sun. This is the world that we are living in. Children are being aborted every single day. It is, uh, now, oh, it is now improper to talk about the Lord and to talk about judgment and to talk about the truth. Everyone has their own standard of truth. Truth is relative. Live and let live. This is how our world thinks. This is how people are living in this spiritually defiled world. And the admonition for you today is the same that Jude gave centuries ago. And that is, contend for the faith. We are living in a very, very dark world. And we must contend for the faith, stand our ground, and speak the truth despite what this world may think or feel. And so the question that we ask ourselves this morning is, how? How can I, a child of God, who is striving to become more and more like Christ, who's striving to reach that goal of heaven, how can I stand my ground in such a spiritually defiled world? How can I be all that God would have me to be in such a spiritually defiled world? What can I do? Thankfully, Jude gives us very practical lessons on some things that we can do to stand our ground, speak the truth, and contend for the faith in such a world as this. In Jude verse 17, Jude verse 17, Jude gives us a call to persevere. The text says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. That's the world that I just described. That's the world that we live in. People who follow their own ungodly passions. Jude says, these are the days that you are living in. Verse 19, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. And so since you are living in such a world, this is what you must do to stand your ground. This is what you must do to contend for the faith. Verse 20, but you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life and have mercy on those who doubt Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment that is stained by flesh. What Jude is saying to these Christians is, if you want to stand your ground, if you want to speak the truth, if you want to contend for the faith in such a spiritually defiled world, then the first thing that you must do is build yourselves up in faith. In the first part of verse 20, he says you must build yourselves up in faith. There is no way in the world that we can stand for the truth. There is no way in the world that we can speak the truth. There is no way in the world that we can contend for the faith if we do not have faith. Therefore, we must build ourselves up in this faith. And so we ask the question, how? How do I build myself up in faith? The Bible gives us a very clear answer. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the Apostle Paul says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
If we want to build ourselves up in faith so that we can contend for the faith in this spiritually defiled world, then we're going to spend time in God's word. Because the second Peter chapter two and verse three, one and verse three states the word of God gives us every single thing that we need that pertains to life and godliness. The word of God gives us strength. It gives us sustenance. It gives us fuel, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. The word of God guides us. It leads us. It leads us into paths of righteousness, Psalm 119 verse 105. And the word of God builds us up. The apostle Paul spoke to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, and he said, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. If we want to build ourselves up in faith so that we will have the ability to contend for the faith in such a spiritually defiled world, then we are going to spend time in God's word. God's word is powerful. God's word is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul, spirit, joints, and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. That is a powerful tool. That is a tool that the Lord has blessed us with. Let us, let us use that tool. May we use that tool to fight off all of the vices of Satan and his army so that we may stand for the truth, stand our ground, and contend for the faith in such a spiritually defiled world. If we do that, if we do that, we will be built up in the faith and one step closer to saturating this world with godliness. May we build ourselves up in the faith, but not only that, if we want to contend for the faith in this world, we must pray in the Holy Spirit. We must pray in the Holy Spirit. Jude says in the latter half of verse 20, build yourselves up in faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. We must be people of prayer who are constantly, who are constantly casting ourselves down before the throne of God, lifting up prayers to the Lord with loud cries and tears on behalf of this spiritually defiled world to a God who is able to save them from death. We must be people of prayer. Christ is the perfect example of one who contended for the faith through prayer. In John chapter 17 and verse 17 in his high priestly prayer, Christ, just moments before he would pour out his blood for the sins of the world, prayed for the world. And he asked God the Father to sanctify this world in truth. Sanctify the world that was about to hang him up on the cross in truth. Set them apart in truth. Praying that the world may come to know the truth, that they may come to understand the truth, and that they may come to believe and obey the truth. Sanctify this ungodly world in truth. That was Christ's prayer for his enemies, and may that be our prayer for our enemies. May that be our prayer for this spiritually defiled world. We need to lift up prayers to God and beg the Lord to have this world, this spiritually defiled world, sanctified, set apart in the truth of God's word. May they come to know, may they come to understand, and may they come to obey the truth of God's word. That should be our prayer. Despite, despite what they are doing, despite the sin and the wickedness that is around us, we must pray for those sinful, wicked, and rebellious people. The Apostle Paul told the young evangelist Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1 that prayers and intercessions must be made for all men. 
that's not just your friends. That's not just your family members. That's just not just uh, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Prayers and supplications must be made for all men. That means righteous people, and that means wicked people. That means people in high places. That means people in low places. That means rich people. That means poor people. That means kings, and it means peasants. Pray for all men. If we want change to happen, if we want this world to be saturated with the love, the the grace, and the mercy, and the goodness of God, then we're going to pray for love, grace, goodness, and mercy to reign in this spiritually defiled world that we live in. We are engaged in a spiritual warfare, as the Apostle Paul clearly speaks of in Ephesians chapter 6. And if we want to fight and engage in this sinful, in this spiritual warfare, then we're going to have to seek the counsel of someone who is beyond this world And that counsel, that guidance, and that power is found in no one but our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Spirit. If we want to contend for the faith, if we want to stand for the truth and speak the truth, if we want to change this world, then we must pray for this world in the Holy Spirit. But not only that, third and finally, we must show mercy to others. Jude says, if you want to contend for the faith, then you must show mercy to others. Jude, verse number 21. Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment that is stained by flesh. As I was preparing for this sermon, I asked myself, what in the world is Jude talking about? How do we have mercy on those who doubt in a spiritually defiled world? I thought about Jesus. Jesus had mercy on people. He had compassion on a spiritually defiled world. In Mark chapter 6, just before Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. The text says that he looked upon that crowd with compassion. He looked upon a crowd like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion for them. How did he show compassion to them? How did he show mercy to them? The text says in Mark chapter 6 and verse 34 that he taught them many things. Yes, he healed them. Yes, he fed them. But the first thing that he did when he looked at them as sheep without a shepherd was teach them. Jesus showed mercy to this crowd by teaching them. And we show mercy to a world that are like sheep without a shepherd. We show mercy to a spiritually defiled world by teaching them many things. The Apostle Paul told the young evangelist Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 3 that there's going to come a day when men will not be able to endure sound doctrine, but instead to suit their own desires, they will gather themselves around a great number of teachers to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. Paul told Timothy, this is the world that you are going to be living in. This is how people will think. This is how people will feel. But don't let that discourage you. Preach the word. Be in season and out of season. Rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and patience. Suffer affliction, suffer hardships, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill thy ministry. 
That's the same world that we are living in. We are living in a world full of people who do what is right in their own eyes. We are living in a world full of people who gather themselves around a great number of teachers to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. They cannot endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to listen to it. But we must continue to preach the word. We must be in season and out of season. We must exhort, rebuke with all long suffering and patience, endure suffering, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist evangelist and fulfill our ministry. Well, Tim, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. All of us have the responsibility to preach and teach. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, go into all of the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Well, Tim, he was just talking to the apostles. How in the world are 12 men going to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation? All of us All of us must be busy preaching and teaching the word of God. That is how we change this world. That is how we stand our ground. That is how we speak the truth. That is how we contend for the faith in a spiritually defiled world. Paul said in Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without someone preaching to them? How shall this world call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall the United States of America believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall Spring Hill, Tennessee, hear without every last one of us preaching to them? They can't. They can't hear, and they'll be lost in their sins. Therefore, we must have mercy towards them and preach the word of God. I love what Charles Spurgeon, the great author, wrote many years ago. He says, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. This is the type of attitude that we must have. We must have a merciful mindset. Do whatever it takes, say whatever it takes, preach whatever it takes, go wherever we need to go to save others, snatch them out of the fire, and have mercy on them. This is our responsibility as children of God. And if we want this world to be a very, very good and beautiful place, then we must do good and beautiful things. Paul said back there in Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. The feet of them that preach the gospel of peace are beautiful because the gospel of Jesus Christ is a beautiful thing. And if we want change to happen, if we want to translate this world from spiritual defilement to spiritual goodness, then we're going to be busy in the kingdom of God, standing our ground, speaking the truth, and contending for the faith. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. We praise you, we glorify you, and we magnify your wonderful name. We thank you so much for your word and the simplicity of it. We thank you for this letter that Jude wrote to Christians several centuries ago who were living in a world that was saturated with false teaching. We pray, we are thankful for the guidance that he gave these Christians, and we pray that we can be guided and directed 
and be able to better stand our ground, speak the truth, and contend for the faith in this spiritually defiled world. We thank you so much for Jesus and the hope that he gives us, and we ask these things in his name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, today is the perfect opportunity to become one. You do so by hearing the word, hearing about Jesus Christ and all the great and awesome things that he has done. Uh, You believe that Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God. He came to this earth from 42 generations to suffer, to die, and to rise so that you may have life. And after you believe that, make a confession. Make a confession before all men that you believe that he is the Son of God. And you are going to strive to live for the Lord all the days of your life. And after you've made that great confession, we can wash away your sins through the water of your baptism, rising forth, walking in newness of life. If you've done that before, but you've made mistakes, you've fallen away, you haven't stood your ground, you haven't contended for the faith, you've made mistakes, and you would like to make things right, Today, or if you have any other spiritual need that we can help you with, please come to the front while I'm standing and sing the song of invitation.